Welcome to the 87th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk top 10 rookie running backs and how we should approach them come rookie draft time. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. There is no Tyler today actually celebrating his birthday, so everybody wish him a happy birthday. It is just me today, and since the Super Bowl is already in the books and we're really moving into the dynasty, rookie draft, offseason sort of content, I just want to start things off with our top 10 rookie running back rankings and tiers. We have these guys tiered because I believe that is more important. 1.0. So we're just going to start on this is kind of a clean slate just what we know so far about the college players specifically more the upper tier guys but I do watch a lot of college football and I have dove into some of these prospects so I'm excited to talk about these rookies I think there is some good talent in this class this is definitely not the 2020 NFL draft class though in terms of the running backs they are not as good and honestly when you even look at the top tier of this class uh there's very few guys that i think would be top five or even like top six in last year's draft class they had some great running backs in last year's draft class and that's not a slight to this year's class they're still talented in their own right but i I believe last year's draft class is more of that 2017 type draft class where you have workhorse after workhorse after workhorse just these guys that are fantasy assets producing day in and day out for your fantasy teams so We'll start things off with the top, the cream of the crop of this draft class, the, I think, unquestioned best running back in this draft class, and that is Alabama running back Najee Harris. So you've seen his highlights. He's obviously an incredibly talented player. He's got great size, 6'2", 230. He is a bit on the older side. He's 22 right now, but he's going to be 23 by the time he steps on an NFL field. But he's looked like an NFL football player for the last two or three years of his college career. So he has been completely dominant. He really has no flaws in his game outside of maybe elite straight line speed. But even then, I believe he's going to run like a 4-5. So it's not like... He's one of the slowest players in the NFL. For his size, he moves really well. He's ridiculously agile, very light on his feet, and he's really got it all. He's the complete package. He can play all three downs. He's one of the best pass blockers, probably the best pass blocker in this class. Uh, Maybe the second best receiving running back behind Kenneth Gainwell, who could legitimately play receiver in the NFL, I believe, if they wanted him to. But Najee Harris, he's got it all. And in terms of pro comparisons, I know you don't want to throw out names that are really just way, like way too high, but I think the most realistic expectation from Najee Harris is Matt Forte, just a three down workhorse who's going to come in as a rookie, instantly handle that 300 plus touch workload. He's super elusive, super patient. And I think honestly, if you get this guy in the right landing spot, maybe like in Atlanta, uh, you get him in any one of those places. He's just going to look really, really good. You get him that workload, he's going to be fantastic. Um, Other places that I like for him are Miami and also Buffalo. I believe Buffalo would be a great thing for the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if that would be the best thing for Najee's dynasty value because I don't really know how much they rely on the run game. But teams like Atlanta and Miami are the teams that I'm looking at in specific where Najee Harris can come in and honestly be a top 15 to 20 guy the minute he steps on an NFL football field. So if he's drafted one of those great scenarios, he's going to be probably a top 20 dynasty running back 
almost immediately. And that deserves to be taken probably inside the top three of your rookie drafts this year. I don't know if I'll take him number one, because I do believe there are some truly great receivers in this draft class as well. But we will talk about that another day. So Najee Harris in tier one, in his own tier, is Najee Harris. I don't believe there's any other running back in this class that as a collective body of work and how good they are as a player, how well-rounded their skill set is and how I believe it'll translate to the NFL. I don't think anyone compares to Najee in this class, but if you're comparing him to the 2020 class, I don't think he's a top three guy. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I would still take the prospect profile, not just the player, because hindsight is 2020. I mean, I would love to try to say I would take Cam Akers over Najee Harris. But as of last year, personally, I would have not done that. I still would have taken Najee Harris. So I believe I still would have taken DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins over Najee Harris. And then you're, once you get into the Cam Akers, CEH, Antonio Gibson is when you start having that conversation about Najee Harris, which is honestly a good thing because – Najee is a really talented player and those players were really talented in their first year of the NFL and they looked great. So I believe Najee would probably be a top five running back in last year's class, maybe number five, but I personally would not put him in the top three. So just keep that in mind, take it as a grain of salt uh, because yes, Najee's the guy in this class, but that doesn't mean he's the guy that we've seen over the last few years. I still believe there have been some better prospects. And now we get into tier two, Uh, There's three running backs in this class, and I believe this is a very interesting tier because you have a few different guys here. You have uh, Travis Etienne, who's been pretty much the 1.01, or at least considered that way for a long, long time. But I believe uh, as we've seen him play, we've seen a little bit of his flaws. I'm not saying he's not going to be great. I think he has a fantastic chance of being really, really good in the NFL. I really like Etienne's game. His contact balance is truly unbelievable, and he's gotten way better as a receiver. So if he can continue that ascent as a receiver, you're really going to see a player that can flourish on all three downs the same way Najee Harris can. The only thing is I don't think he's the best runner between the tackles because his vision is just not very great. And he's also not very good at setting defenders up. Can he bounce off defenders and break tackles? Absolutely. He is a very physical running back. They say he only weighs 205 pounds, but the way he plays, it honestly looks like he weighs like 220. Um, A player that I like to compare him to, which some people like this, some people won't. I think he's a faster version of Ronald Jones, just someone who is like consistently breaking tackles, consistently getting extra yards and consistently like his acceleration is just helping him gain those big runs so just take Ronald Jones and make him a little bit faster make him accelerate a little bit quicker that's what I think Travis Etienne will be at the next level and I'm personally Ronald Jones truther I think Ronald Jones is a fantastic player I would love to see him with a full workload so I really really like Etienne I think he's the second best running back in this draft class and three teams that I think he'd be a fantastic fit I love these three options for him You have the San Francisco 49ers, which would just be absolutely perfect. I don't know if they spend the draft capital on him just because Shanahan seems to be just pumping out running backs that fit his system very often. You just really need speed. So I think Schubert Hubbard's a more likely option there. But if you can get Travis Etienne with Kyle Shanahan, that would be unbelievable. He's like Raheem Mostert plus. He's like Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon kind of put together in terms of what he can bring to this offense on all three downs. So I really like that fit for Travis Etienne. And when you look at the New York Jets, it's pretty much just the East Coast San Francisco 49ers. That's what I believe they're going to try to do. And running behind Makai Becton and improving young offensive line, I think Travis Etienne in that system, put him in that Aaron Jones-esque role for Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's brother. 
you could see Travis Etienne becoming a very, very valuable dynasty option very, very quickly. So I like Travis Etienne in New York. And another place that I don't think is really uh, talked about for Travis Etienne as a landing spot. But you look at the running backs that are potentially leaving. Uh, they can cut Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's probably not staying in free agency. And if he is, he's staying at a very cheap cost. And maybe they don't want to invest in the running back position, but they kind of have a lot of the holes filled on the offensive side of the ball outside of quarterback. Maybe you make life a little bit easier on the quarterback. You get Travis Etienne in Denver. You have an improving offensive line, a rid- like just ridiculously stacked amount of weapons. So you are in position that if Drew Locke is the guy and you think he can lead you to win games in the NFL, then he's in a perfect scenario. And it's pretty much a make or break year for him. And if not, you plug any quarterback in the NFL into this scenario Denver has a really, really good young offense, and it's going to make life very easy on a lot of the quarterbacks that would potentially want to go there. So they would honestly become probably the best quarterback landing spot. And yes, those don't pan out all the time, but if you're giving if you're giving yourself a puncher's chance at acquiring pretty much a top 10 talent at the quarterback position, you go ahead and do so. I think Travis Etienne would be a perfect fit to really put that offense over the top in terms of the supporting cast around the quarterback. And that's going to be the only variable that they have. So I really like Travis Etienne. And then coming in in the second running back in this tier, the third running back overall, we have Javante Williams. So Javante Williams is someone that was really not on anyone's radar uh, two years ago. Then he had a mini breakout in 2019, had about 1,100 yards on 183 total touches. And he was PFF's fifth graded power five running back. So he did really good in 2019, but you wanted to see more in 2020. And in 2020, he was a first team All-American per PFF, 1,445 yards on 182 touches. So about 400 more yards on one less touch. That's definitely improvement. And also 22 total touchdowns. And he had an incredible game against UM, 236 rush yards. And he's young, very, very young, still 20 years old. So unlike Travis Etan and Najee Harris, who are already 22 years old, Javante Williams is 20. And he's going to be 20 for uh, a little bit. I think his first snap is going to come at the age of 21 in the NFL. But that's really good. I mean, you look at the guys that were 20 or 21 this year, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. These players, they have room to grow. And when you're running back in the NFL, really your your shelf life is going to be from about 20 or whenever you come into the league, 20, 21, 22, until about 26 to 27, unless you're one of those guys that's truly just built differently and can handle that workload. That's about when your prime usage and workload is going to be. So Javante Williams has a very long window. So if you talk about guys that are going to potentially return on investment I believe Javante Williams is one of the best chances to do so in the drafts. And talking about Javante Williams, the player, much like Travis Etienne, his contact balance is very, very good. He's also a very capable receiver, so he could potentially develop into that three-down threat in the NFL. He's a very downhill runner, very, very strong in terms of the way he handles contact and very decisive. He is very confident in his vision, and he has patience that is honestly very, very impressive. I'm a big fan of Javante Williams's game. And I believe he fits in pretty much any run scheme. So any team that's looking for a running back and doesn't want to draft them in round one, I think Javante Williams makes a lot of sense for those teams. So talking about where I believe he can get better, um, I just don't know if he has any elite traits about him. Like 
he doesn't have elite speed. I think the closest thing is elite vision, but sometimes he bounces the ball out and tries to use his speed to get around to the outside, which could work in college, but you see it a lot of times in the NFL. Those edge rushers are just different speeds. They're different animals on the outside. So maybe he's going to have to learn a little bit more how to uh, use his cutback lane and just put his foot in the ground and just take the yards that are given to him. But I think that's going to be totally fine. He's a young running back and I'm a really big believer in Javante Williams uh, as a player. I think his most realistic expectation is going to be a guy like Chris Carson, where he's going to be a consistent running back two in fantasy that is going to be a better actual NFL player than his fantasy production. And he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He's a very good runner between the tackles who can also catch passes when asked to do so, but he's not going to be one of those guys that sees this ridiculous, like 250 carry uh, 100 target workload. I don't think Javante Williams is going to be that kind of three down back, but I think he could definitely be a guy that sees around 250 touches for the majority of his career. So that's definitely something that you want. Um, I don't know how high the ceiling is. My ceiling comp for him is Joe Mixon, uh, just a really, really smart running back who can do pretty much everything. But even Joe Mixon, he needs to be in a great scenario for that to work out. And he has not been in that scenario yet. So I'm really just hoping he gets a good landing spot. Some teams that I think are a good landing spot for him. Uh, one team that I mentioned was the Pittsburgh Steelers, but their offensive line has not improved over the last few years. So if they invest in the offensive line, then absolutely. I think Javante Williams would be a great fit there. He's pretty much just a better version of James Conner through and through. Um, I think if you put Javante Williams there and they continue the workhorse usage that they've been giving running backs, Javante Williams is immediately probably going to be a top 25 running back next year. I know that sounds a little bit crazy. A lot of people don't even know who Javante Williams is, um, but I really like Javante Williams, the player. I think he can really be a difference maker. Two other teams that I think he is a good fit is the Falcons and the Broncos. So we'll see what ends up happening with Javante Williams. I'm a big fan of him. As long as he gets that second round draft capital, that's really what I'm looking for. If he gets taken inside the top, say, well, really, second-round draft capital will be top 64 picks. But if he gets taken inside the top 40, then you're really talking about a guy that's going to see that workload year one. And I think he's really going to impress with that workload. So the last running back in Tier 2, and I believe he has a great chance to be a fantasy cheat code in terms of the way that Austin Eckler, uh, maybe even Aaron Jones, have been over the last few years because of that receiving workload as well, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell really good running back. He's the guy that made people think Antonio Gibson wasn't going to be good. He stands at 5'11", 197, supposedly. And he is 21 years old, just a ridiculously talented dude. He had the third 2000 all-purpose yard season in Memphis history. Uh, very, very talented player. I believe the only two that have done that are Daryl Henderson and D'Angelo Williams. So uh, two NFL talents there that have done that, and he did not play in 2020. So this, the, the workload and the sample size that we have with him is a little bit limited, but you look at what he's good at. He's just ridiculously good at changing speeds without losing, uh, changing direction, my bad, without losing speed. He can play inside. He can play outside as a receiver, which is just added value that you really think NFL teams are going to love. And he might be smaller, but he definitely knows how to set up defenders to gain more yards after contact and just really leave defenders in the dust. He's a very smart, intelligent player that he understands the nuance of the game, both at running back and as a receiving option. And he can give you more than just like your dump off guy. You can motion him out and use him as an actual receiver, similar to the way James White has been used. Um, one comparison that I heard would be James White with like way better running between the tackles. I honestly think that's pretty much what Kenneth Gainwell can do, but 
and you talk about the player that I'm comparing him to, um, I actually think he's a little bit more of a more athletic Miles Gaskin. So he doesn't have any flaws in his game outside of really his size. And if he's given the workload, I think he's going to deliver. So you saw what Miles Gaskin was able to do this year with a workload behind a pretty okay offensive line. I think Kenneth Gainwell can be a better version of that. And my ceiling comparison for him is Austin Eckler, just a PPR machine that can handle like 200 carries and 110 targets or whatever, and maybe like 75 catches a year. And that is really what I believe Gainwell can be. I think he's a really special talent in terms of what he brings both in the running and receiving game. And that's why he's in tier two. Um, Will he be a work like your traditional workhorse in the NFL? No, I don't think so. But can he be one of those guys that just really adds so much value that he's going to be pretty much a cheat code in fantasy because of how good he is in the receiving game? And that is what I believe he can be. So when you talk about the dream fit, where do I think he fits the best? Uh, Pretty much, I mean, the Jets, the Falcons, they need running backs. I believe both of those teams uh, would be the best fit. But the place I really want to see him end up, and I think it would be unbelievable fit, is Arizona. Kenyon Drake. On the transition tag, I believe he's going to leave in free agency, maybe re-sign somewhere else as a third down back. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell immediately comes in as a lead back. I think he's a way more explosive version of uh, Chase Edmonds, and he can do everything that Cliff Kingsbury wants the running backs to do. He wants them to be able to split out wide. He wants to run that spread offense, but he also has that home run speed and home run ability where he can take the gaps in the defense and really just break long runs routinely kind of what Kenyon Drake did when they initially traded for him Kenneth Gainwell I believe can do for pretty much as long as he is there in Arizona and that offensive line will continue to improve over the years as they invest in it and build around Kyler Murray so I really like Kenneth Gainwell as the last running back in tier two Um, between tier two I believe there is pretty much going to be draft capital deciding where I actually end up ranking these guys. In terms of pure talent right now, we have the top four being Najee Harris alone in tier one, and then Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and then Kenneth Gainwell. But that is not a slight to Gainwell. I really like Kenneth Gainwell's game. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. And then when you move into tier three and tier four, I believe tier three are guys that I'm interested in, but I'm not dying to draft. One name that really stands out from this group, though, I have him a top tier three at running back five right now is Trey Sermon. I just think he's one of the few guys in this class that really has that potential to become a workhorse. He's got workhorse size, six foot, 220. Uh, He was really productive at Oklahoma, and then he tore his ACL, had to come back and transfer to Ohio State and didn't really get a workload. But once they gave him that workload, I mean, he took off 636 rush yards in a three-game span against Michigan State, Northwestern, and Clemson. 331 yards in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. 253 yards, total yards, in the college football playoff semifinal against Clemson, where he really took over that game the same way that Justin Fields did. Uh, Trey Sermon helped sustain the dominance that Justin Fields was having, and it was a truly impressive performance. I mean, when you watch those last two games um, before he got hurt in the national championship game, Trey Sermon looked special. He really did. Not many guys can pretty much average 250 yards over a two-game span, and he did that. I mean, I don't feel like doing quick math here, but I will. 584 yards in two games against Top-tier defenses, I mean, Northwestern and Clemson are no defenses that are easily just pushovers. They are hard to do, and you see the way he wins is he's very slippery between the tackles. He bounces off players in the open field. He's got a really strong stiff arm where if he has a smaller defender, say a defensive back or a safety coming up to him, uh, 
Trey Sermon is able to just push them off. He's a very, very strong player. And he also, uh, he's a big running back, but he, he moves very well. He changes directions very, very well. And he also has good vision, especially in the open field. He understands how to set up his blocks, maybe slow down a little bit. He plays with good patience. I do like Trey Sermon's game a lot. And I think he's going to be a, not great, but I think he's going to be a really good running back in the NFL who really just maximizes the value that the team drafting him gets because he's probably going to go in round three I would be shocked if he went in round two but he's probably going to go a top round three and I think he could be a really good fit in a lot of places so I really want to see him get better as a pass catcher to be kind of that third that three down back that I believe he can be but when you look at what uh, what Trey Sermon is I believe his best comparison in the NFL right now is Gus Edwards just a smart physical runner who adds value as a committee back, but also has a really good nose for being an end zone guy. He can be a good red zone running back. And if you give him a good offensive line, he can be a really, really good player. And my absolute ceiling comparison for him, this one is probably not likely, but I think there still is a chance if he is able to improve as a receiver is Kareem Hunt. I think he's, he, once again, a physical, physical runner. That's really what Trey Sermon is. And he's not the most athletic guy, but he definitely can create yards for himself and create those big plays. So if Sermon is able to improve as a receiver, I could definitely see this happening. Maybe not being as productive as Hunt was in Kansas City, but a guy that a team can rely on either as a committee back or a lead back. I think you can really fill both of those roles. And one place that I would love to see him end up is Seattle. So you see Chris Carson is probably going to leave in free agency. I would be shocked if they spent more money as opposed to, or more money on a running back as opposed to just drafting one probably cheap in late third round. So I think he can be the perfect 1A to Rashad Penny's 1B because Rashad Penny, we know is a good receiver, but he's coming off of a major ACL injury that signed out, sidelined him for pretty much a year and a half. I think it allows Seattle to keep that run heavy identity and they can do it cheap. They don't have to spend to keep Chris Carson. Um, they can shuffle in a new running back. And I think Trey Herman fits that profile perfectly. 1A, 1B, little bit of a committee there, but I think that's a good fit for Sermon's game. And another place that I would love to see him end up is Miami. Pretty much what I said for Javante Williams, I would love to see that for Trey Sermon. I just think if the Dolphins, they, they build the skilled positions, they get the wide receivers, they get maybe another tight end, they build the offensive line, maybe you get some defense, then you look up in round three, maybe end of round three, if they're trading back or something, then you get Trey Sermon as lead back and Miles Gaskin as your change of pace guy. And like in Seattle, you would have a one-two punch. I believe Trey Sermon would be best in the NFL with a one-two punch. And another place I think he fits great, New Orleans. New Orleans needs to save money. They can cut 30-year-old Latavius Murray for $2.8 million if they need to. And Trey Sermon can pretty much do what Latavius Murray does at a high level. Uh, maybe not a higher level. I still think Latavius Murray is a good NFL running back, but he definitely can make that a cheaper position. And they're already paying Alvin Kamara a lot of money. You want to save money where you can at the running back position. So I think Trey Sermon, he's capable of being a spot starter if necessary for Alvin Kamara if he's injured. But ideally, he's going to be that 1B to Alvin Kamara's 1A, which is totally fine. I think he would be very good in that role. So that is the top of tier three. And then the rest of tier three, we have Michael Carter, Ramondre Stevenson, and Demetric Felton. Michael Carter is pretty much CEH light. He is not as good as CEH, but I think he can definitely add that type of value. Uh, another player I'd like to compare it to is James White, just a very explosive 
uh, receiving back that can also get the job done in the run game if you ask him to, but they're not going to do it very often and just really just knows how to set defenders up and break them down and create some yards after the catch. So like Michael Carter as pretty much a third down scat back in the NFL, I believe that's what he will be. Ramondre Stevenson kind of reminds me of a Jay Ajayi. It rumored that he lost weight and he definitely needed to because he was checking in at – pretty heavyweight I believe he's like six foot like 240 and then he checked in at the senior bowl at about six foot 230 so if he's able to trim weight then you could see a guy that could maybe even work his way into tier two I think there's not a lot of flaws in his game but right now the way he looked in college is very comparable to Benny Snell or Jay Ajayi where they're just physical runners but they're not really the most athletic not really a home run threat that often but they can definitely get the job done and have a little bit of uh pass catching in their game I think Ramon J Stevenson is a little bit better as a pass catcher than both of those two but that sort of running back a one two down grinder is likely what Stevenson will be in the NFL I could see him going to a place like Philadelphia if they choose to draft kind of that goal line guy next to Miles Sanders which is what I believe they're still missing and then Demetric Felton is the guy at the end of tier three that I think is very interesting he definitely made his name as a receiver at the senior bowl and he's a ridiculously explosive player. So you look at the players that I think are most comparable for him. Honestly, the name that stands out is JD McKissick. And I know people don't love that, but you look at what JD McKissick can do in an opportunity or in a place where he's given opportunity like Washington, he was actually a very productive fantasy running back. So if you're looking for a third down running back, I think Demetric Felton honestly might be one of the best ones in this class. So we'll see what ends up happening. It would not surprise me if he ended up in Green Bay, if they chose to let Jamal Williams walk, if they chose to use A.J. Dillon as their workhorse. I don't believe Aaron Jones is coming back. Demetric Felton would be a perfect fit. And honestly, could not would not be surprised if he ended up uh, outperforming A.J. Dillon in terms of being that well-rounded, productive running back in that zone scheme where the offensive line is opening up holes. He's an explosive, explosive player, and he can also split out wide and run routes at a very high level. So I like Demetric Felton. He's very interesting. And what I want to say with tier three is as long as these guys are drafted in the top three rounds, I'm interested in drafting them, but I don't know if they all will. I don't know if Michael Carter will. I don't know if Ramondre Stevenson will. I don't know if Demetric Felton will. I think Trey Sermon will go within the top three rounds just because of his potential upside at the next level. Um, but if they do not go in round three, honestly, I don't want them. I don't think they're overwhelming talents. They're good. They can be really good in the NFL. They can be special in the NFL, some of them, but I don't think this is such an overwhelmingly talented group where I'm going to try to go against what data says, because data says, if you're not drafted on day one or day two of the NFL draft. So if you're not drafted in rounds one, two or three as a skilled player, whether it's receiver or running back, you pretty much have a 5% chance of being a hit in fantasy, at least over the last two or three years. And that is not a good hit rate. You want to get good hit rates in your drafts. So definitely want to look to draft players that get the draft capital. Draft capital is probably going to be one of the most impactful factors in my evaluating process this year, because a team spending draft capital means they believe in the player. And if you're spending draft capital that's very high, you typically believe either believe in the player right away or you believe the player can at some point along the line become a franchise type player. That's the type of belief that you have to have in them if you're taking a skilled position player this high. So 
really what you're looking for is guys that are going to get drafted in rounds three or higher. And I believe after this tier, you really won't see many of these guys get drafted that early. I think this is going to be a draft where one, maybe not that many running backs are drafted. And two, there's definitely not going to be a lot of running backs drafted early. I really only think there's about seven guys that should get drafted early. And if they aren't drafted inside the top three rounds, I don't really want to consider them in rookie drafts. I'd rather take a chance on a receiver or maybe a tight end, maybe a quarterback, anything else. But just because I love the talent doesn't mean I'm going to get locked into taking them in a draft. So that's the pretty much the top seven right now. The top seven guys that I think are considerable or I'm considering for a rookie draft right now are Najee Harris, obviously, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Kenneth Gainwell. Those are the guys that I'm really looking to add in my team, either mid round one or early round two. I believe that's pretty much the latest they should go in rookie drafts. And then you have tier three, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, Ramondre Stevenson, and Demetric Felton. I think these guys could end up becoming something in the NFL, just as long as draft, draft capital is on their side. So we'll see what ends up happening there. And then tier four, you can pretty much just consider this honorable mention. Um, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. I think he has a chance to be a pretty decent player in the NFL, but I'm not completely in love with the player that he is. Um, definitely has some room to grow though. We'll see what ends up happening with him. He kind of has a little bit of a three down skill set, but nothing overwhelming to the point where I'm going to say, Oh, this kid's going to be really good in the NFL. I think he's just going to be a guy that if he gets the workload at some point, he can be productive and maybe hold on to a starting spot for a few years. But if not, I just really see him as a rotational back in the NFL and Jermar Jefferson, who is pretty much an analytics darling. He's been good for any time that he's been on the field for Oregon state from his freshman year, but I don't see anything uh, overwhelming in terms of his talent. I think he's got a lot of Damian Harris in him where he can run between the tackles, but I don't think he's going to be trusted as a pass catcher. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not the biggest guy in the world, although he's got decent size, like 5'10", 215. So definitely has some nice build to him, but I don't see him adding much value outside of a one, two down grinder, and he's not that big to do so. So we'll see what ends up happening. I don't think he's going to be really anything more than another rotational running back in the NFL. You look at guys where they're considered just a guy, a Jag. Um, these two guys, I guess, could be considered that. I don't really think they have any game-breaking ability, although Jeremiah Jefferson and Kylan Hill were very good at their respective colleges. I don't know if at the NFL level their skill set will translate. And then some honorable mentions for the running back position, just guys that I think should be considered if they get draft capital. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, Jarrett Patterson, Chuba Hubbard, and Javion Hawkins. Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana, Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo, Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, where we've seen him be really productive in the past, but I really don't think he's going to be that productive in the NFL unless he lands in a really good zone scheme. Um, and also Javion Hawkins, a good scat back, I think could potentially have value at the next level. And Elijah Mitchell, Jarrett Patterson, maybe following that James Robinson mold where they went to smaller schools, very productive, very smart players, not overwhelmingly athletic, but could end up becoming something if they land in a good workload. Uh, at the NFL level, which is honestly highly unlikely at this point, just because there's so much running back talent. And I don't think this running back class uh, outweighs the free agent class. I think the free agent class is significantly better than most of the guys that you're going to be getting here. And that's why I worry about a lot of these guys really getting that workload from day one, because teams can sign a running back like a Leonard Fournette and just avoid spending draft capital early on these running backs. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, 
this running back class is interesting. I think there are some players that have some good traits to play at the next level. But when you talk about the seven guys that you should be considering for your rookie drafts, whether it's round one, two, or three, you want to consider only if these guys are drafted inside the top three rounds. So once the draft happens, we'll be releasing a new episode talking about which running backs we actually are considering. And it's pretty much just going to be who was drafted early, who was drafted in the top three rounds. That's who we're going to talk about because if not, the hit rate is so ridiculously low that I'm not really too concerned with those other players. I don't know enough about the NFL process and how to evaluate talent. I don't think anybody does. Nobody has a foolproof uh, process evaluation process. So let the draft capital decide uh, at least how you view these players in a rookie draft sense. And if the NFL thinks they're good enough to be a top three round pick, then consider them for your rookie draft. If the NFL doesn't think they're good enough to be a top three round pick, then do not consider them because each team is passing on them at least three times. That's ideally not going to, there's some players slip through the cracks, but it doesn't happen often. I'm not going to try to find that player that slipped through the cracks. I'm going to try to find the player that I believe the NFL believes in and I believe in. And in turn, all the statistics and data will believe in as well. So the seven, once again, before we go, Najee Harris, tier one, and then tier two, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and Kenneth Gainwell. Tier three, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, and Ramondre Stevenson, and Demetric Felton. Do not forget about Demetric Felton. He's making a name for, for himself in this draft process. And I think he, the buzz around him is only going to get bigger. And we'll see what ends up happening there. Make sure to tune in next Thursday. We're going to be talking top 10 wide receivers from this class. And I, I said the running backs are not really that special. This receiver class, much like last year, is special. So do not miss that episode. We're going to make sure you guys know who the top 10 guys are, what tiers they belong in, and what we should be looking to invest in them in terms of rookie draft capital, at least based on their talent. So with that said, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. That wraps up our Rookie Running Backs Ranking Podcast. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy, where we are posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of dynasty content to keep you prepared for the NFL draft and free agency.